Welcome to TSF Life, a podcast ministry of the Shepherd's Fellowship Church in Marion, Ohio. TSF Life is designed to bring you biblical teaching in a relational way that's easy to apply to your life. Let's join Pastor Tom Hypes as we dive into today's teaching. I guess we're officially back this time. We did some, I snuck in for about half an hour last week at the end of the conference um, and until Angie kicked me out. Yeah, since I wasn't allowed to be here for her summon. But she did a great job. I don't know what she's complaining about. Um, the, the, the only thing that I think kind of threw me this morning is uh, Lisa was kind enough to tell me that she could tell I was feeling better this week. And, that, and she was happy I wasn't real sick like last week. I, I wasn't sick last week. So I think I just look like crap. Did I just look like crap? So you, I probably shouldn't mess with you. You're in charge of like all the video stuff this week, so... You can mess with me back. I'll be nice. But no, it's good, it's good to be back. It's good to plug back in. Uh, the conference was, eh, let's be honest. I'm, I'm never going to lie to you guys and say that everything's awesome. It was good. Like last year, it was the same speaker in the same conference per se as uh, when I was on sabbatical last year. That was phenomenal. Um, and had a new, same teacher, new name, new description. Looked like it was going to build on last year. So I was pretty excited. About, about 90% of it was the exact same material, just to be repackaging under another name. So we still had recap. Uh, Jenny and I really, uh, it, it was good for us to have that week, just the two of us. We had some Holy Spirit appointments with people we met and talked with. So it was a very good week from that aspect. But uh, to be honest, I was just really ready to be home, plug back in with you guys and uh, continuing with our studies. So that's exactly what we're going to do. Uh, it's been real interesting. I think this week, so I've been getting everything caught up. I was doing the podcast for the last couple of weeks of sermons and whatnot. So that would be Katie and Angie on those. Uh, and then even looking back, because it has been me on the road a little bit the last uh, month and a half uh, with Monica in there as well. Uh, and the, the, uh, Chuck wasn't up on this, this, this round, but it was uh, three ladies for the most part. And we are very blessed to have strong women of faith in this church. Uh, and man, just it's, a, it's amazing with them following the spirit, how things have turned and to go from talking about, and again, this might just be my perception of it, because we all take different things, Holy Spirit-wise, out of, out of messages, but to, um, to see the Holy Spirit leading us through, God wants me to blank, but I can't afford to, to God wants me to blank, and what other reasons do we do that, to God wants me to blank, period, and I'm just going to do what God wants me to do, and working through that has just been really, really neat to see that build, um, which really gives us a great opportunity to dig into this next section, because it's important to have that foundation laid out. So let's go ahead and go back into the scriptures. Uh, we're going to go to back to Matthew 6 as we continue through the life of Christ and continue through the Sermon of the Mount. Uh, you're going to find yourself to verse 25, and I think we're going to finish up the rest of this chapter today as we talk about uh, anxiety and talking about uh, not being anxious. And we've got a lot of people this week, ever since I announced what we were going to be t talking about, uh, asking questions, um, excited, saying they're going to, they need to be there, saying that it's about them, whatever the case may be. This is a big topic for a lot of us. Um, and so it's, it's important to go back into. Now, I don't know what everybody expects, per se, from this particular sermon, uh, because this is going to be a big picture sermon. Uh, this is going to be the, really the root cause and the foundation of what we stand upon to get freedom from anxiety and how God's designed things versus how the world offers things up to us. Uh, if you are looking for a message that goes deeper into the details 
that you're looking at testimonies of other people that you can partner with to deal with anxiety as well. If you're looking at uh, some tidbits of information of things that you can embrace in your life to help you with anxiety. If you're looking for ways to help other people in your life that deal with anxiety and you don't quite understand why the, that seems to be at that level that it is or how they react to things, we do have that sermon for you. Uh, we actually, Cindy was just talking about it earlier, two, two years ago, right before the pandemic hit, we did uh, about eight weeks on mental health issues. Uh, and anxiety was one of those weeks. There's also one for PTSD, suicidal thoughts, depression, went through a multitude of ranges of things. So today, let it be a good introductory for you. This is an area you struggle within, but I highly, highly, highly recommend that you go back to our YouTube channel. Uh, it's really easy to find, even if you just go to the church website, tsflife.com, and scroll down, you'll see a YouTube link, takes you right to it. Just do a search for anxiety, and you'll see that mental health series, and that will give you a lot more details to go into, more than the broad view that we're looking at today. So I want to make sure you have that, that tool, because it is such an important topic. So we're going to start out in verse 25, but you guys can't guess what we're going to do. We a little talk a little. Okay, there we go. Starting out in 25, it says, therefore. Okay, let's stop there. That's seriously read a little, talk a little. Um, therefore is a huge word in the Bible. What are you doing throwing stuff, Cindy? You got it? Okay. She got mad at me already. Jiminy, Um Therefore is huge. Uh, the word but is huge in the scripture. Um, those words really denote that something's going on. Hey, what? Are we, are we really? I'm the one advertising fourth grade. Are you really laughing at the word but is big in the Bible? Yeah. Yeah. Huh? Who, who's with her? I mean, because it's, it's just the teachers, right? Are the ones that are laughing at this? Okay. Just making sure. Mike was too? Well, come on. We know. <laughs> he's just jealous because I'm ready for fourth grade and he's only ready for second. Uh, but seriously, therefore, what that means, anytime you see it, stop. Just stop. Because it means because of what I just said. Because of what you just learned. Because of what just happened. Whatever the case may be, now that you've got this you're going to understand where I'm going now. So where we have to look back at what that was, and it's been, again, three weeks since we covered it, but it was talking about getting ourselves checked in with God correctly on, on money, and money not being in control of our lives, and God being in charge of our lives instead of finances, and that you can't worship both. So basically, Jesus moving to this next section, and the word therefore means, I'm going to assume, one, that you're a Christian. All of this is instruction for Christians. So for those who've accepted Jesus as leader and forgiven their lives by acknowledging with the mouth their own personal decision that he's God and I'm not and believing that we, I don't forgive, deserve forgiveness but I believe you died and rose again and you gave it to me. So he's assuming you're a Christian with, with these instructions and I'm assuming that you got the money thing under control or at least that you get it. So if we're, we're still kind of struggling with those other things, it's going to undercut what he's about to talk to us about with anxiety because we, we've already got something out of joint. Out of figure. Does that make sense? Remember we talked about him using the word mamma. Uh, Capital M means that which I entrust myself to, and mamma lowercase is that which is entrusted to me. He's making sure we have the, the lowercase m, that, we're, that money is entrusted to us for tithing, offering, generosity, stewardship, as he leads, instead of being in control of us. So we have that. He's assuming we have that and we're moving forward. So... Okay, let's read a little more. That'd be fun. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, 
What you eat or what you drink, know about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Now, one of the things, like when we were talking about God wants me to blank, boom, then we could fill that in here where God wants me not to be anxious, period. I mean, Jesus just commanded us, do not be anxious about anything, right? Don't you wish it was just that easy? You know, it's just like, don't do it anymore. Oh, okay, yeah, that's a good idea. You know, I wish it was that easy. In some ways it is, but in many ways it's not because we're fallen creatures, because we're in this world and because we struggle with it. And one of the things that I find awesome is Jesus says, I know I can't just say that and jump onto something else. We're going to have to dive into this sum. We're going to have to explore this sum. And the first thing that he does, if you read this, is to find the word need. Because all of us define the word needs differently. And again, this is something we come up to all the time. We define words differently. You and I can have a conversation about something and f- think that we agreed, and in a few minutes find out, up, oh, we're completely on different pages because we define words differently. Uh, for instance, we've got um, a VBS starts tomorrow night. And if Jessica got all the workers together right before the kids got here and said, look, we want the kids to have a family feel here. So just treat the kids like you would your little brothers, your little sisters, and we'll move forward. Uh, Things are going to look very different in half an hour if some of our workers grew up in a household where you hugged each other and said, I love you to one another, and the other half grew up where you, like, whip on each other and beat the crap out of each other all the time, you know, attack each other. Very different things. So we have to define the words out, and Jesus does this as well in a way that I think is kind kind of challenging. Um, he says our needs are food, drink, and clothes. Our needs, and according to this passage, and I'm not saying the fullness of the, the content, but what he wants us to focus on is the food, the drink, and the clothes. And we've got to explore that out some, uh, uh, to understand it fully because if another thing that we tend to do is we want to follow God, but we're not necessarily the best at actually looking to see what God wants us to do, per se, or see things from his perspective. Uh, like, I do premarital counseling for any wedding that I, that I officiate. And in it, there's these modules and there's different statements that you kind of to and false, and then you build conversations off of them between the couple and then the three of us as a whole. And I remember one, one of the groupings is, has a statement of, I believe God's instructions are important for my life. And I'd have to say, like, 90% of the time, the answer is always true. But in that same groupie, maybe like another 10, 15 statements down, it says, I believe I understand God's instructions for my life. And like good 70% of the time is like, nah, I don't. I mean, like we have these best of intentions. We have these basic beliefs, but we don't necessarily dig into them. So Jesus is taking us deeper by looking into these three. Now, uh, I think when we look at these, first off, the first thing that stood out to me is just the simple fact that, yeah, he's got that. I mean, if I look at the scripture, let, let's just look at the, um, the Exodus. Food, he's got that. He gave them manna every day, doubled them up on Friday so that they, they wouldn't go out on the Sabbath, um, preserved it for the day. I mean, he's got food covered. Feeding the 5,000, he's got food covered. Uh, if we look at drink, with the excess being out there, everybody's complaining, wishing they were back in Egypt because they were dying of thirst. Oh, well, Moses, go take your staff, smack that rock, and we'll get a big old river coming out of that bad boy that feeds, feeds out uh, water to over 100,000, 200,000 people. Uh, clothing. If you look at the Exodus, uh, I don't know if you've ever seen this. I think it's one of my favorite uh, factoids when it comes to the Exodus, that they were out there in that desert for 40 years, and the scripture says their clothes and shoes never wore out. 
Why? Because there's no Walmart in the desert, right? These are the needs. He's got it covered. And I think we see that in our own lives as well. Uh, it's hard uh, to think that anybody in our church doesn't have food. And in this community, I know we have tons of food pantries. That's one thing Jenny learned pretty quick at Love, Inc. It's like it's almost impossible to go hungry in this town because there's a lot of assistance out there. There's ways that we can, if people open up and say, I have a need. Uh, if the food pantries don't work out for them, then we as individuals take care of each other. Um, we had uh, Kelsey uh, touch base with me this week. She found somebody that she knew at work hadn't eaten for three days. They were waiting for the food stamps to come due uh, this next Tuesday. Um, so her and Kyle jumped on it, and they came over and they got food from us. Uh, we don't have a lot of food in here right now because we're kind of switching over that, that stock. Uh, so we went over to Kroger's and got a gift card and got her hooked up. It's just God's going to provide food. That's part of her testimony now. Uh, same thing with the drink. Of clothing, we've got tons of options for clothing. Nobody came today naked. One, one. We got that card early. They came early. It was great. But for most of us, we have clothes on our back. Our needs are covered. God, I wasn't going to tell on you. The, uh, I wasn't saying names, but uh, <laughs> I almost picked on Lisa again, but I'm not going to do that. I love it too much. I love it too much. Uh, but, but we know, know that those basic needs are there. Now, I don't know that you can't say, well, we need air, we need this. Again, I think anything that we're going to get to that, that level of things is, is taken care of by God. But I think what Jesus is trying to say is, I see needs different than you see needs. You define wants as needs, and it leads you to more and more anxiety. More and more, well, you know, I need to pay the electric bill. My great-great-grandfather had no idea what an electric bill was. That's something that we grew into, and it's something I very much want. I get very depressed when the lights go out. But you know what? The lights went out in the church right now, would we stop having church? It's not a need. It's not a need. Um, if if you're, you're bumming out because of bills and everything and you've got all this stuff going on and internet, internet really is not a need unless if your job makes you have it. And even then, I don't know. Cable? It's a need. Yeah, we need cable. <laughs> I'll, I'll give you that. There's some good stuff on there. But, but do you get what, get what I'm saying? It, if you think about the stuff that you stress about, if you think about the things that you stress about, how much time are you stressing on needs versus wants? And if we started just focusing on the needs, not only would that greatly strip down the percentage of the stress that we have of things in this world, but it would also get us focused back into the worship that our God's already got that. And anything I have above that, this is the awesome part, is gravy. Anything I have above my needs is just him saying, hey, I just want to be good to you. I just want to be good to you. If you have something, it's either because it's a need that God gave you or something that was extra that he decided just to gift you or because of your good stewardship or you might have something that you sh probably shouldn't have had, but you just did it yourself. Those are the things that's in our lives. But what things drive us to anxiety is something I think that, that Jesus is trying to get us into here when it comes to some of the things that he's having in our lives. So Jesus loves examples. He likes to get, take us deeper into it because we're not very quick. Um, so let's go to verse 26 and pick up a couple of metaphors. Excuse me. He says, look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap, nor do they gather into barns. And yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to a span of his life? 
And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon, all of his glory was not arrayed like the one, of the one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Okay, so digging into the first metaphor, he says, consider the birds. And it's kind of funny, I was looking back, I uh, taught on this scripture many years ago. Uh, and the title of the, uh, the sermon was, Birds Don't Have Ulcers, which they don't. You know, and, and, God, and Jesus is saying, consider the birds. Now, I think purposely he did not say, consider the squirrels, right? We already got the squirrel thing down where we're like trying to get now, trying to save them up, trying to get ready for the winter, kind of running all over the place. But he says, consider the birds. The birds don't do that. The birds know that that provision will be there. One of the things I really like um, when you're driving down the highway, you know, when you're, you're driving down long ways and you get a, like a telephone line or something and a hawk is sitting up there, mm-hmm. like staring straight down. Um, the, the reason they do that, and I, th- I think it's kind of cool because they're kind of gross, is because they generally keep the medians and the sides of the roads mowed down, so it's easy to see mice and snakes when they're in that particular area. So they're up there, and they're not out hunting or whatnot, they're just sitting there knowing that sooner or later a mouse or a snake's going to come through there and they're going to swoop down and take that sucker. And it's actually kind of a majestic thing to see when you happen to catch it. Uh, it's a little grosser when it picks up a snake and it's flying away with it, whatever. But because they know that provision's going to be there. It's not, you know, I sit at home and expect someone to deliver all my groceries to me. But I know that through me taking and walking through the doors and following God and being faithful to God, that that food is going to be there one way or the other. If I need to ask for assistance, I ask for assistance. It's going to be there one way or the other because God is good to birds. Now, here's the other point he's trying to make within that. You mean more than the birds. If... I was out walking on a property here at the church and found like a, a baby bird flew out and that's like these nasty little bone swallow things that we inherited for a little while. Uh, fell out of the nest. I'm not a good nurse, but I would pick up that bird. We do have people in this church that are incredibly caring and patient that we would hook up with. We would do whatever we could to help that little bird either get the health so it could fly away or enjoy its last few days, one or the other, right? And so that's what, that's what we do, because we care about God, God's creation. Um, in the, the same way, if I'm driving down the street in my car, again, we live in you know, con- the country, and all of a sudden there's bird, bam, flies over my car, bounces a couple times on the road, and I see that it's dead. I'm going to go, aw, and then I'm just going to keep on singing with the song and keep on going to work. I, it, it, this, that's where we live. That's what, what happens. We care about animals, but there's no control over it. There's no malicious intent over it. We, we move on. So we can be caring about birds, but it's not going to end my world. However, if I'm in the Kroger parking lot and my child is walking through the parking lot and I see somebody driving irresponsibly and it's foreshadowed that just in a few moments that car is going straight for my kid, whatever it takes... Whatever it takes, that car is going to mangle me before it even grazes my daughter, before it grazes my son, before it grazes my wife. I'd gladly be in between those two. 
And if something happened where I couldn't get to it, which is something I don't let myself think about, devastation for life. My God's a healing God, but I just, I, 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 and he, he'd get me through anything in this life, but I just didn't want to go there. Jesus is saying, you're not the bird, you're my child. You're my child. So what would you even have to worry about when it comes to the things that you need? We go through the scripture and we look at the beauty of, of Solomon's palace, uh, palace and all of his life and his kingdom and all those type of things. And there's ministries and pastors and TV guys out there look at that scripture and say, that's what God has for you. It's all about prosperity. It's all about taking and being rich. It's all about life being perfect or whatnot. And even Jesus is saying, I think you're missing the point. Because I am a God of prosperity. It just heavily has nothing to do with money. So you, if you want to look at Solomon and make that the goal of your ministry, it's off base because, man, I just want to be a lily in the field. Do you see how he takes care of them? See how beautiful they are? Do you see the life that they have? And so he continues to focus in another way, that you're my child. I want more than that for you. Anxiety is bondage. Christ is freedom. Anxiety is bondage and Christ is freedom. He has more for us. He wants better for us. So birds die, fields get cut down, but he says, you are mine. You are mine. And the thing that's awesome about that car analogy of taking the hit for your kid, Jesus already took the hit for you. He already took the hit for you. He's already done through that. That's not a pretend analogy for him. He took the cross because of how much he loves you and he'll always provide. Um, several years ago, um, a friend of mine, Jeannie Green, she was our store manager for a long time when we had the bookstore and then uh, her and Dottie opened up Hope Crossing uh, downtown, um, and Jeannie retired from that a couple years ago. But when she had Hope Crossing, there was, I, I came in one time, she goes, you're not going to believe what happened this past week. And um, so we're talking, and it was fair week. And uh, you might not know this context if you're not in retail in Marion uh, Township during fair week, but fair week means local businesses die. I mean, there's just no business hardly at all going on during fair week in our local businesses. And so with being a ministry like Hope Crossing is, um, that means that when they had a need, at that time they had a need of doing $300 a day. Um, fair week you average about 50 bucks a day. And that greatly impacts you know, cash flow and paying the bills and those type of things. So she and her husband one day uh, for fair week decided they were going to pray about this. And because they had some pressing bills. And so they prayed for God to provide for their need. And they said, if we can get a little, little crazy on this, we pray for a $500 day. And they continue to pray for it all day long. So that's tenfold over the average day during fair week. Um, so they're going through the day, no customers, no customers, no customers, no customers. Uh, and you kind of know where, where this is heading. But they, they had one lady come in. And she was looking for a particular book that some guy on TV wrote. And... Uh, they didn't have it, but they could special order. She goes, okay, let's go ahead and do that. Because I've tried order through the ministry. I can't get through on the phone lines. Uh, every time I try to order online, it crashes out, it bombs out. And I just kind of felt like God was maybe trying to direct me to come support my local Christian bookstore. And she's like, oh, that's awesome. We've been, honestly, we've been praying because it's a fair week. And she's sharing who who side. She doesn't share them out, but she kind of shares the basics of it. And just like, isn't it cool how God works like that? And so she's writing out the special order for him. And uh, the lady says, now, I'd like to get a couple extra copies for friends. I want to kind of encourage people with this uh, and pass it out. But I only have a budget of $500. How many can I get? Um, and then Jeannie just started crying. 
And so she shared that part with her too. So the next day comes along and it's like, okay, God, 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 we sure would love another $500 day. It would be really, really cool. But you notice they don't need a $500 day. They sure would be nice to have a $500 day. And they got like a hundred bucks. Like God didn't do it two days in a row. Like he's, you know, some kind of toll machine or some kind of, you know, magic jackpot or anything of that nature. And she kind of started feeling bad. Someone told her she was testing God. That's why he didn't do it the second day. And I think that's crap. Um, I, I told her, I think he was teaching you. Because first off, if you put 500 and 100 together, how much is that? 600. But she needs $300 a day. She covers two days. So what's she trying to teach? I'm going to lease this up. I'm going to put up just some basics. That, I mean, th these are not really hard to come up with. But one, he's trying to teach her he, he's got the answer. He's got the provision, right? It's what Jesus has been talking about on the hillside the whole time. Two, he doesn't give it to us every time we want it. But he does give it to us a several times when we want it. He's a very good God. And three, he gives it to us when we need it every single time. These are truths that I believe that he's trying to teach her, trying to teach us, that Jesus is talking about here. And we have just gotten done singing several songs that had nothing to do with picking about how faithful God is and how great God is. We know this to be true. I think most of us know this to be true. So the last question, I think, is the pivotal one for today. Is that enough for us? And if it's enough for us, what would that do for us when it comes to anxiety? What would that change bring? Everything else just falls into submission from the standpoint. We'll leave that up for a couple seconds for him. Um, so this is what it leads to. Verse 34. Therefore, so we got that word again, therefore, because these things are true, because what I just said to you, you're ready to hear this, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious about itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble, which is one of my favorite Bible verses, but I like it better than NIV, which basically says, don't worry about tomorrow, tomorrow. tomorrow's got enough trouble as it is. Amen? Yeah. Am I the only one? Okay, so here he's saying, that, we don't, that we're focused on today, we focus on our needs, we're focusing on Christ and the change it has. So earlier I asked you, if we just focused on our needs, how much anxiety would that cut out? Now I'm asking you, if we just focus on today, how much anxiety would that cut out for you, trying to figure out tomorrow, trying to figure out retirement, trying to figure out how things are going to go this week, how you're going to get through the work week, how this situation is going to play out that's not an immediate fix. If you are only focused on today and the needs, if we actually do what Jesus is saying here, what kind of change would that be in our lives? And I'm saying it's immense, immense the difference that we would have when it comes to this plan. Um, I'm going to jump over to chapter 11. It's up to you if you want to go with me. Uh, I'll read it for you, but make sure you write down the context so you can you know, read it later and make sure I'm not lying to you. Um, Matthew 11, verse 28. Um, jumping ahead a little bit when we'll get to the scripture as we go. But, but Jesus says, Come to me, all who labor. Come to me, all who are heavy laden. And I promise I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and I am lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Anxiety is the complete opposite of what God's plan is for you as his child. Complete opposite. Um, again, I want to share one more story with you, but I just want to keep it out there. If you're looking for more details in this overview, because it's hard 
but it's easy, it's also hard, and there is a lot more resources and a lot more scripture on this. So make sure you go to the YouTube channel, pull up that mental health series, dig in deeper. But um, one thing that stands out to me in this, because there's also the complexity of anxiety that we all have, there's mental health anxiety, which is a little bit of a different ball game, uh, not a little bit, but a, a massive uh, jumping up to the majors. There's a lot of things to cover within that. But the general aspect of what he's saying to us today about anxiety, I think most of us know. Or we wouldn't have sang those songs as we sang earlier. I think most of us know that God's a God provision. I think most of us believe the scripture and the miraculous things that he can do. I think most of us have seen it in our own lives time and time again, and we quickly lose that grip and start slipping backwards. Um, so I did want to share one more thing with you that, uh, I don't know, it just really stood out to me. It was not, we were coming back from the conference. And so this is not from the conference. This is from us being on the road. And Jenny and I like a guy by name. You're going to have to help me with this, Jen. It's Ray Vanderbloom. Ray what? Ray Vanderbloom. Okay, too many people tell me, so I don't know. I, it literally, to me, it's like M. Night Chingalong or Ding Dong. I have never figured out <laughs> that guy's name. Okay, so I, I've always known him as Ray and then Vanderbloom. So... Uh, but, but we like him as a speaker. I think it sounds like you've come across him as well. And, uh, but we've done a lot. His video Bible studies. There's a lot with the Holy Lands. Uh, his wife is actually one of the higher up mucky mucks for Love, Inc. Uh, so we see him speak out there. And Jenny works with his wife on a, uh, on a pretty steady basis uh, through, through Love, Inc. And so she was listening to uh, some of his talks uh, on, on uh, the radio while I was trying to sleep. And, uh, but I was listening anyways. And he brought up a story in Mark chapter 8. If you want to write that down, I'm not going to go there, uh, but I want you to have the reference so you can look at it deeper later. Mark chapter 8, um, about the healing of the blind man that took two hits. Uh, I, you may know the story, you may not know the story. There's a blind man that Jesus comes across. He takes the guy and the apostles kind of off to the side, and, um, and he spits in the ground, rubs the mud in his eyes. He washes them out. Um, which that, that enough is kind of odd to me. I don't remember Jesus ever doing that with anybody else. Um, but I, I do know that, uh, and this is Michael Card was talking about, in that time they thought that human saliva had some healing properties to it, so it wouldn't have been overly rude to them. I think it's gross. Uh, then uh, also I, I've, I've heard Michael Card talking about doing it because uh, making spit in the mud would be considered work on the Sabbath, so he's kind of messing with the old law and the religious leaders. So I just kind of always left it at that. Uh, but it always uh, seemed odd to me that the guy wasn't healed, if you know that part. Like Jesus asked him afterwards, what, what do you see? And the guy's like, well, things are kind of foggy, and I see people, I think, walking around, but they kind of look like trees. And I don't know, I knew what trees look like, but kind of sticks or whatnot. And so they, they re-hit it, and then he was perfectly healed. And he was thrilled, which I, I love that part for that guy because I know... Sometimes we slip into the victim mentality, and he could have been mad the rest of his life for the years that he spent blind to set up this little sermon illustration, but instead he worshipped. I love that. Uh, and then, he, then he, he moved on. So I kind of always kind of wondered about that, and, and then Ray said, you know, to find that answer, you have to go back. It's one of those therefores type situations. So if you go back to the beginning of chapter 8, you find the feeding of the 4,000. How many of you guys believe in the feeding of the 4,000? Angie, I know you do. You didn't raise your hand, old punk. Okay, there it is. 
<laughs> okay, so that's what he talks about, and feeding like this multitude. Again, it's just 4,000 as the men, so we don't know how many women and children are there. And um, they have just a couple of loaves of bread. They have a little bit of fish. He feeds everybody. The apostles are part of this. They see it. It's overwhelming. It's celebrated. It's worship. It's great. That's the first chunk of this chapter. Second chunk is afterwards, the, the apostles and Jesus are in a boat. They're going across the sea. And the apostles, and this is the part I never saw, get into a fight with one another because they want a snack and there's only one loaf of bread left. And there's not enough for all of them, so they get in a fight over it. And Jesus is like, you guys have got to be kidding me. You, you guys are fighting over a snack with one loaf of bread when, I, when God's already showed his provision is always there. And we're going back to this. Then he goes and finds the blind man. Then he takes them to the side with the blind man and shows them that we can experience God's miracle and still see things from a foggy standpoint. And it makes no logical sense, but that's who we are. And so he did a double hip miracle with them, with this guy to show the apostles, this is what I'm doing with you. You're not getting it. It's still foggy. And if we say we feed the 4,000, then it should be changing the way that it sees our needs in our lives. Well, if he can do that, he's got this. Voices being in the fog and continue back into anxiety again. I thought, man, yeah, I get that. I get that. I sing so many things. I say so many things. Trust so many things. And then find myself in a place where how's this going to work out? He wants us to see him clearly and to trust him for his goodness and who he is. How many times does he have to be good before we get a clear vision of that? If you were blessed by today's teaching, we hope you return for our next podcast. Or better yet, stop by the Shepherd's Fellowship any Sunday morning to join us live. You can learn more about the church by calling 740-382-3500 or check us out online by going to tsflife.com. That's tsflife.com. You can also support the ministry of TSF Life by donating at our church website or sending support to the Shepherd's Fellowship, 1647 Marion, Marysville Road, Marion, Ohio, 43302. Thank you for spending your time with us today, and we look forward to seeing you soon. Be blessed.